Hey, and welcome to the Shade Chamber. Before we get started with anything, we did just want to congratulate the incredible win for the Players' Voice Award at the Game Awards last year, 2022. It was an incredible result. Tons of fans voting for their favorite game last year. It got really close, kind of heated there. But at the end of the day, the dust cleared. And I think it's no surprise that Neon White won the 2022 Player's Voice Award and every other award at the Game Awards as it should have. Congratulations. 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 Also, guys, what's Neon White? Hello, and welcome to the Shade Chamber, the only Genshin podcast whose creators are followed by Neil Breen. Wait, we are? Yes! Oh my god! <laughs> he follows me on Twitter. My name's Beefy, and I name my wanderer Tech Rat. My name is Break, and my wanderer takes after his mother before him. That's right, my wanderer rides the lightning as Kuno! Ride the lightning, Kuno! Ride the lightning! Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> I literally can't. Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. Very good. Trapped on an island of irrelevancy, looking for a Fujin with a delusion, it's your boy, Jer. Hello, I'm back. It's me, Rad. Uh, I named my wanderer at Squeomi, um, but I guess he can't really read the moon that well, so we'll work on it. And I'm Wander, and I named my wanderer the only thing that Raiden A ever really loved, Makoto. Alright, so there was a shoe video that dropped. Shiz. Shoes. Shiz. Oh my god. So there's almost like 600 more of you guys than the last time we recorded, which is absolutely insane. We are so, so glad that you found us. We are a little overwhelmed, but we are incredibly grateful that you saw that video and somehow decided to stick around. It's kind of a miracle. This is predominantly what we do on this channel. We take milestones of Genshin as it runs its course as a live service game and talk about it. As people who kind of know the ins and outs of the game industry, we were just blown away by how much there was to say about it. So enjoy our backlog or don't. Just hop on here and enjoy the ride. Either way, we're going to have a good time. What we do is weird. It's not a beat that's really covered by other Genshin creators. And we're just really blown away that so many people are interested in it. We're happy to have you in the Shade Chamber. We're happy to welcome you among the ranks of the Illuminati and strap in, because here we go. To viewers like you, thank you. Grano Sponsa. Oh no. Grano Sponsa, Hoyo Ves. No, we're not affiliated. Don't put that in. We're not affiliated. We never will be. We don't want to be. We're a bunch of little shits who want to talk about this weird fucking game. So basically everything we wanted to say about the event Akitsukimo Damashi was covered in the shoe video, except for one very important part, and that is our favorite recurring segment, there is no W in Tengu, because no one takes L's into VAT like Kujo Sara. What was the L that Sara took this time, I ask? So just because Sara doesn't show up doesn't mean that something is an L. Sometimes she's just not a focus of the story. But when you have an event that is entirely based around the concept of yokai, of which only three playable characters of the game are, and she is one of those three, and she didn't show up, that is embarrassing. Literally, every single yokai character, Ito and Yai, several newcomers, and the ping pong lady were out there partying on the beach. Where the fuck was Sara? <laughs> Where was she? 
we actually had to walk back a previous L when she was absent for A's character quest because they did say the Tenryo Commission had duties elsewhere. They make no such excuse for her in this event. Don't they say that the, the Tenryo Commission was summoned to investigate the stage that the ping pong game was played on too? So there's really no excuse for her just not to show up. Yeah, okay, so not only is there no alibi for her to not be on the premises of the event, but there's actually a reason for her to be there. God knows where she is on her little mall cop scooter, but she didn't show up where we needed her most, which is just so classically Kujo Sara. Thanks, oh. Sara. Here's another L. We all know why we're here, and it's to discuss that little silhouette of a man. That's right, the second coolest robot martial artist guy wearing a cone hat named Scaramouche. But before we do that, we started off season one kind of giving an overview of what characters we were running with at that time, just going into Inazuma. Obviously, a lot of characters have come out. There's been a lot of changes to the meta since then. So we are once again going to take kind of a, another annual sample of who we're playing with at this point in time, both our VIS team and also the team that we actually took through Sumeru. I had lofty ambitions that I was going to build up Hazo and all these new supports to savor the new region, but I actually ended up just using people that I had already built. My Sumeru team ended up being Yai, supported by Yelon, Kole, and Bennett. Yai obviously really benefited from the Dendro edition. We took a, an already fun-to-play character and just really kind of like closed the loop on her and had an absolute blast with all of those characters. My two Abyss teams will be a Raiden Shogun-led team. The other is either going to be led by a Hu Tao or Yanfei. And then the supports are just kind of like your bog standard meta supports all jumbled up. You know, Kalei, Yelon, Bennett, Xing Cho, Beidou, Yai. I can consistently get to floor 12-1 now in Abyss. And I can also consistently pretty much never get past that. And for now, that's good enough for me. My uh, two Abyss teams were Ayaka, Kazuha, Mona, Jean for team one. And then... Ito, Raiden, Yelon, and Chi-Chi for Team 2. Um, I've beaten Abyss a couple of times now, which is nice. Everyone is staying above the meta power creep, so that's cool. But then for Sumeru, I actually ended up with basically two Sumeru teams, first being Dendro Traveler, Shingcho, Shinobu, and D-Luke in his spiffy new outfit. And then gradually, as I built characters up, it sort of became a mishmash of Sino, Kole, Yai, Bennett... Nahida, and also Shinobu in there anyway for other elemental reactions. So those are pretty much the teams I've been going with so far. In terms of actually my sort of blank slate team for Sumeru, I rolled Tignari really early on, and he's probably the first archer who is meant to play like an archer that's really resonated with me in terms of gameplay. So I've been using him, Dendro Traveler, who's been pretty good as a support, Yai, who's, as uh, Beefy alluded to earlier, has kind of just been reinvigorated by Sumeru. And Kokomi, it took me a minute to remember her name, because I usually just call her Fish. Worth mentioning is that Jur is the only Lumine Traveler repper. Yeah, yeah. We all just had a hard time believing Ether as a villain. I think that was the rationale. That you speak for yourself. I, w I picked Ether because I always pick like male character options. It's also worth mentioning that Lumine being the main character doesn't mean that she's not the villain. <laughs> we stand a mean Queen Lumine. 
In terms of Spiral Abyss, though, I don't actually play Spiral all that often, um, even though I am consistently able to 3-star up to 12-2 usually. But my team for Spiral has primarily been my boy child in just kind of the bog standard international team with Xiongling, uh, Bennett, and Kazuha. Then my off team has been Ayaka, Diona, Mona, and uh, Xingqiu. But it's been a hot minute since I actually did Spiral. Uh, Rad, what were you using for uh, your Spiral and Sumer Exploration team? Here's where I start off with. Both of you to assume I've been playing Spiral Abyss at all. <laughs> I cleared like 8-3 once upon a time, like ages ago, and then just left it alone afterwards because I was just like, you know what? I don't really care that much. I don't really want to do it, so I'm just not going to. And yeah, I mean, that's Primo as I'm leaving on the floor there, but also, I just don't worry about it. The team I use for walking around Sumeru is Kakomi, Yae, um, Tinari, and then I usually throw a shield in there, so like Zhongli or Toma. Uh, and then I have like a mainstay, which is just Kakomi Kaching, because she showed up so many times she's C6'd now. Um, Kazuha and then Zhongli, because he's just rock solid. Pun intended. <laughs> so, yeah. Wonder, what did you use? Uh, so I, too, have not played Spiral Abyss in probably the better part of a year, so I don't really have a designated team for that. I just kind of build what I find interesting in overworld exploration. Uh, my Sumeru team going in was originally Ayaka, Yelon, Diluc, and Shinobu. Uh, and then as soon as I got Tinari, which was fairly quick into the patch, uh, I ended up swapping Diluc out for him. The problem is I mostly just use Tinari as a uh, Dendro applicator by throwing down his skill and then swapping over to Ayaka and Yelon for Hydro and Cryo. I've I've enjoyed the, the combinations of elements there, even though Cryo still doesn't have a Dendro reaction. I think Cryo is doing just fine. It is. It doesn't need help. <laughs> I like that at least like three of our churls sort of gravitate towards the elements we like. <laughs> we really went in here being like, I like purple, I like green, and now we're like demi-archons in our own right. Yeah. So what I'm hearing is I should use more pyro units. <laughs> hey, I'm just waiting for them to introduce dark as an element. It's gonna happen. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's time for a break! We seem laughably naive in our second episode where we talked about we wanted to know how they could make the Raiden Shogun as an antagonist sympathetic enough to be a desirable rollable character okay you take that problem you multiply it by 10 that's scaramouche he is a piece of shit you have a murdering senora on screen you have child being a literal international terrorist and yet somehow the moosh manages to outdo both of them in terms of like the sheer scope of atrocities we know he is capable of mass murder and atrocities because he has shown us examples of it before. Yeah, the Archon quest frames the only instance in which he is valuing life is when someone is directly worshipping him. A has fucked more stuff up, but Scaramouche is particularly cruel. He murders with absolute abandon and has no empathy for any life, including his own. Like, is it really any surprise that he turns out like that when he, like, hasn't learned to process his emotions well enough to handle loss in a way that doesn't frame it as someone else's fault? So, obviously, 
The easy solution to this is he's a robot. We just saw him fall 10 stories off a bigger robot. He's going to bust his head and get factory reset. And similar to last year, almost exactly like last year, it was that, but it wasn't that. It was a lot more complicated. Yes. So Scaramouche literally hacked the planet. He did go and hack the planet. The cyberpunkness of Subaru only continues, it only deepens. This was Buddhist as fuck. Yeah, yeah. So we're pretty comfortable assigning Buddhist traits to the Wanderer because he has probably the most blatant religious iconography of any character we've seen so far in Genshin. He's got the classic Buddhist shoulder sash, the kesa, and the ornaments on the end of his hat ribbons are literally just the top of a shakujo staff, which is something that like itinerant Japanese Buddhist monks would rattle around as they asked for alms. And his signature weapon, that bell, it's a cross between a Japanese Buddhist pilgrim bell and a traditional Tibetan Buddhist Vajra bell, which is cool because, you know, the Vajra is the symbol of the lightning bolt, which relates back to him being the progeny of the Raiden Shogun. So a lot of his not being factory reset, and in fact him kind of embracing his past life post-retcon, you know, just relates to the broader themes of essentially Buddhism. What's also really interesting is the notion of Buddhism ties all of the artist formerly known as Scaramouche's previous character desires together because a tenet of Buddhism past a certain point is you're going to get insane superpowers, but actually those are a distraction from the path to enlightenment. So you're going to need to give them up in order to achieve like sort of higher levels of understanding. So the one of the core tenets is really sort of detaching from an ever-present suffering in the world and universal disappointment in basically everything. But a part of that sort of detachment and rising above it is the idea that you uh, eventually achieve essentially like supernormal powers, which aren't the point of Buddhism, because if you begin to dwell on the ability that you gain from enlightenment, then you're essentially going to fall off of the path of enlightenment. The idea that suffering is ever-present and is something that an individual essentially always has to process and overcome is really like something that characterizes Scaramouche because he, much like his mother, is someone who's just repeatedly dwelling and getting caught up in past traumas and then inflicting those very traumas on other people. To the point where he even decides that he's going to not only erase his own memories of the entire ordeal, but also the entire settings, memories of the entire ordeal. Originally, he wanted, he wanted to just not exist anymore, right? It's almost like he heard the words of the great sage Freddie Mercury and said, I sometimes wish I'd never been born at all. Yeah, it's pretty scary how relevant that song is to his character. Sumer is very clearly influenced by several world religions, namely Zoroastrianism, Hinduism. But I guess the reason why we're talking about Buddhism here is because it's also permeated into East Asian culture. So essentially, Buddhism as a cultural export originated in India as sort of a variation of Hinduism that stressed the idea that you could kind of escape the repeated cycles of samsara reincarnation, which actually isn't, at least to my understanding, guaranteed in Hinduism. So Buddhism essentially comes along and says, 
that while suffering is universal, there is a way to break the cycle by achieving understanding and enlightenment. The problem with that Buddhism faced in its hometown of India was that the religious institutions in that locale were so powerful and so hegemonic, they could essentially take the nascent Buddhism and say, this is just a segment of Hinduism. This is a teaching that can be incorporated into our, our very powerful local religion, and it can be compartmentalized in a way where it's not threatening. And this is actually to the extent where the Buddha is recognized as an avatar of Vishnu, which fits very cleanly into their existing cosmology. So Buddhism didn't take off in India as much as it did elsewhere, because essentially it could just be reincorporated into everything that was already there. Now, this isn't true of China and Japan, because since that religious authority wasn't present, the ideas could take root in a way that could intermingle with their own local religions in a way that was completely different than uh, the local religious institutions of India. Um, meaning you have Buddhism in China and Japan sort of taking off and taking a complete life of its own, even though its origins are in India. When you look at Scaramouche, you see his movement as someone who's essentially embodying Buddhist ideals in Japan, moving back towards the ideas of Buddhist reincarnation in the context of Sumeru rather than Inazuma, which was very much more Shinto oriented. Ooh, that's a good point. I really like that read on it, because I think a lot of people will say erroneously that he's Buddhism as opposed to Inazuma just being Shinto. Inazuma is very much also Buddhist. Uh, the name of the plane of Euthymia in the original language is a Buddhist concept. And that's because, as Jur said, Buddhism has this history of syncretism with the local religions, which is why it can kind of work side by side. In fact, specifically, Makoto's god title is Narukami Gongen. And a Gongen is literally a fusion of Shinto and Buddhist concepts in that it is a Buddha that takes the form of a kami. And that was one of the ways that Buddhism would incorporate the local religions is to say like, oh, well, that god is actually one of our guys. In that case, the significant of Makoto being the Gongen, instead of the relationship being to Buddhism, it's to her being a local god that is a vessel for the Celestia paradigm. It's basically the analogy of like a bigger, more powerful, more global, more regimented religion taking root in a localized form using these co-opted gods. So the wanderer that we will inevitably keep calling Scaramouche does not symbolize the birth of Japanese Buddhism, but rather, as Jur said, he symbolizes perhaps a Japanese Buddhist pilgrim coming back to the homeland of Buddhism, seeking a different mode of understanding from the source of the religion itself. And I think that's also really crucial in understanding that return home, because the Wanderer is a character whose personality really doesn't change. It's just that his perspective and interpretation does, which I think is consistent with A as well. Because the thing is, he hasn't reached enlightenment. I actually don't really know what his journey in his own quest symbolizes because it is not enlightenment. He has not been divorced from his worldly desires. He does make some progress on screen. Like his story isn't over and he's the first character on screen who actually like we visibly see get a vision. Like he, he goes from hating himself to the point of like erasing his own memories 
to then reflecting on that and saying that he wants them back to then having to face his God form is the action that nets him a vision. So I don't exactly know what direction that's taking either, but he did break out of some kind of cycle. I think you literally just said it. Like the biggest change is that he stopped feeling sorry for himself. Yeah. Yeah. And then because he stopped feeling sorry for himself, he can actually begin his true journey towards self-actualization. It's him learning to go from being negative space defined by these things that have happened to him and shaped him to being the positive space, using his agency to assert his place in the world. Yeah. In a sense, like he does it doesn't even like end up with him necessarily gaining friends because he's very mean to everyone he knows. <laughs> but at yeah. the very least, he does begin to trust people again, so much so that he allows the traveler to then give him a new name and also say that, like, okay, I'm not sure if like Nahida's really on the level, but I will stick with her because so far she's able to at least like give me better direction than anyone else has ever been able to give me. She's the one who put the most work in for him. Yeah, yeah. For Which sure. is more than anyone can say of his mom. <laughs> <laughs> so early on in Liwei, Zhongli mentioned the ultimate contract. Do you guys think the ultimate contract is the ability to rename god-adjacent beings because there certainly was a moment that showed up in this storyline where a contract was immediately thrust in my face before it was confirmed the joke we came up amongst ourselves is this playable character is essentially going to be a stress test for mihoyo's profanity filters (laughs) it is just so funny to have the denouement of the quest and he is ready to assert his agency in the world with his brand new name And then the big wall of text pops up and it's like, hey, we have a lot of fun here at Genshin Impact. But there's some things that, you know, we just can't have. There are kids who play this game. Don't don't call him (laughs) little fucker. Yeah, getting to name him after this whole time really was kind of the cherry on top of this whole line of events that took two years to unfold. It's such a powerful bit of player choice. We were truly racking our brains. We came up with some good ones. Rest in peace, Eric Sparrow and Fandingus. Also Vic Van Leer, only because they wouldn't actually allow for spacing in the name. Scaramouche is probably number two in the top three characters I would like to see on a skateboard. (laughs) My favorite serious names for Scaramouche are the ones that incorporate some kind of Japanese wordplay with the word Mercury. Because they just really took that song and set every single line to part of his backstory. (laughs) I would like to cordially shout out to all the Scaramouche likers who named their Wanderer Baby Girl because that's really (laughs) funny to me. That is very good. (laughs) Scaramouche is really a crystallization of like repeated topics that keep coming up on this show. Like, uh, let's talk about the first one. First, uh, first big point. A is not recovering from this. A is horrible. <laughs> A should have gone to therapy probably about a thousand years ago. She did not. <laughs> uh, maybe not a thousand. Like 600? Literally 500. 500. Okay. She has avoided going to therapy so much that she has not inflicted generational trauma upon two different countries. Yeah, like yeah. The, the overall cascading bullshit that has affected this little bastard really could have just been avoided right at the start. I do not think she did it out of cruelty, but then on the flip side, people are like, 
she felt like it was the nice thing to do. No, I don't think so either. I think she fucking avoided the problem. She didn't do it meaning horribly, but she also didn't do it with like any kind of consideration to like the actual purse that she's throwing away at that point like she, she just kind of like went okay well uh, i don't really have the spoons for this right now i'll do it later and then she never comes back yeah her entire meditation and contemplation is to come up with solutions while she preserves herself but like that means that solutions just don't happen she says that it came from a place of compassion in her voice line before you know they took it out but that's because she's so self-unaware and that's what I love about A. She is a nice person, but she is a terrible person. She's the opposite of Yai, who is a bitch, but she's ultimately a good person. Her long-term planning when it comes to people, as well as her management of them, is sincerely not great. And she's aware of that, but not aware enough of it to actually avert it to any meaningful capacity. We love A so much. <laughs> A is like cracked up. I've never seen someone in a story like this who was so majestic, but tragic, but also a loser and also just the worst person ever. We love A. We love child. This is who we are. This is our brand. Welcome to the Shade Shade. Well, that, that's the other thing, too. It's like you can go to the TV Tropes character page right now, and then a lot of factions have character pages devoted to them, but there are five pages where it's just one character, and those characters are A, Zhongli, Child, Scaramouche, and might be Nahida. Three of those are actual former present gods. <laughs> yeah, these are people with millennia-long lives and traumas and stories and then there's just a fucking gopnik who fell in a hole and came out wanting to punch everything on the planet. It's so bad. Forgot to say, he completes the Fujin and Raijin combo between him and Shogi, the Raiden Shogun puppet. Yeah, yeah. So, but that's actually what guided my naming him Fujin. Which really just kind of means that A can die. Like, she has her successors set up. She has the Fujin analogy. She has the Raichin analogy. Like, A is ready to beef it. She's a dead duck. She's, like, waving more death flags than you could possibly realize right now. She would be the easiest character to kill off because all you have to do is remove any of the voice lines that she says and just leave the ones with the Shogun. If they do kill her off, I'm hoping they don't do it too soon, given that she still hasn't had, like any instances of really interacting with tons of people during events including the wanderer okay so do you guys believe that a doesn't remember him there is evidence that she forgot about scaramouche because her voice line about kunikuzu she gets deleted from her voice line bank after scaramouche retcons himself my theory on this is that Ermin's soul does not actually remove something's existence from the world. It just removes the information about that thing from the world. So my guess is A still remembers the little puppet she threw out, but as far as she remembers, that thing probably still is there. My reasoning is even dumber, which is just that the Wanderer says specifically that he destroyed his past names. A didn't name him anything. My dumb, dumb thinking is like, if he destroyed his names and those parts of his life associated with him, it doesn't mean that he destroyed his past with A. But also it's because, like, just looking at it pragmatically from a writer's perspective, it's such fertile ground. They would be stupid to leave that on the table to not have an interesting moment where they meet again. It would be really freaking boring if A was just like, 
I don't remember him. Fun little technical detail that I think would work in this situation as well is that removing names might be like removing certain metadata from a file within Erminsol. You can remove a lot of it, but if you don't get all of it, there are still traces of it that remain in people's like systems. So it's possible that like, yeah, he might have removed those names, but there's probably some hidden data still in Erminsol that like totally carries over, which is why he still existed in the world. It, enough of a point to where he left and was in Sumeru. Someone still fucked up Tatarasuna. Someone still fucked up the Raiden Gokuden. So A must have made some little sad boy. Yeah. He, he wasn't just all those people combined. Yeah, yeah. I like to think she's lying. <laughs> God. She's just like, no, I, I don't remember that guy at all. And then Traveler's like, we just said the puppet. We didn't say it was a guy. And she's like, bye. I I wish that her Kunikazushi line just got changed to say, who? Like, Ito. <laughs> I love the fan art of A being a shitty mom. I love the fan art of her with the chancla. Any pictures of her just being terrible? <laughs> they give me life. As we've said, we love the dumpster fire that is A. The Kabuki Mono went to the Shogun's palace to say, hey, there's a Chernobyl going on at the forge. And she was too busy setting up her shiny new daughter to do anything about it. Good job. You purple piece of shit. Also, there's something very important we forgot to mention, and that was, what was that voice at the end of Scaramouche's quest? That lady who shows up and is, like, says a bunch of cryptic stuff and leaves. I feel like it's gotta be Ishtaroth. I mean, like, who else could it be? Like, it could be Ruka Devata. No, it can't! She was voiced in the, uh, in the Archon quest. It's probably Ishtaroth, just to what end is the question. Maybe it's because we're starting to prod more intently at the most fundamental workings of the universe. I think that's her being like, okay, buddy, be careful. Careful what you wish for. Yeah.